if you're going to race cars, mate, you're going to crash cars. Are you telling me you've made a time machine out of a McLaren? Oh, my dad always says you shouldn't hit boys, mate. Oh, so. uh, well, we're not friends. Well, racing is life. Anything that happens before or after, just waiting. You're listening to The Grid Girls with Saski and Sarah. Sarah, we're a Formula One podcast, or at least we hold ourselves out to be. And whilst we really should talk about the race in Spain that happened <laughs> over a week ago now, we both know that's not what we want to start with. We both know there was one thing that we want to talk about. We want to talk about the ladies. Of course we, we want to talk about the <laughs> announcement of Grace Autosport. Grace Autosport? Motorsport? Grace Motorsports. Grace? This is America, lady. This is America. Grace Motorsports, the all-female operated team intending to compete at the 2016 Indy 500. Oh, my God. How excited are you? Um, I'm super excited, especially because, you know, obviously we just both got into IndyCar kind of recently. Um, I was telling someone else on Twitter this, but, you know, between all the goofy videos that we talked about last time, um, the fact that there's probably going to be a race in Boston in 2016, and now this, yeah, yeah, I'm in. IndyCar is making a serious push for your heart. They really are. And it's like really difficult. And, and, and F1 is not trying at all. Yeah. <laughs> F1 is making it really hard to love them at the moment, especially if you're female. But in really the, I mean, we've got, she may not be there for all the races, but we have Simona Di Silvestro. We have the potential for there to be an all female team next year. And we're not just talking female drivers and team principals, we're talking female mechanics, female race engineers, female aerodynamicists, female promoters. There is estrogen everywhere, and I am officially signing up to be number one fan. Get in line, because yeah. I, I was here first. But So, yeah, no, seriously. Good girls, number one fangirl podcast of Race Autosport. <laughs> it's true. Um, so, Grace Autosport will be headed up by Beth Peretta, who hopped on Twitter, I think it was Saturday morning, and just started talking about this out of nowhere. Um I followed her immediately. She's great. She actually gets on and tweets about sexist stuff that happens in a bunch of different series, Um, including today when Watkins Glen tweeted, you know, the the track in New York, tweeted out um, kind of a sexist video that was talking about, you know, it takes a man's man to drive Watkins Glen, a man's man, like it's a man, 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 man. (laughs) Seriously. She, she retweeted it and was talking about how, you know, maybe you guys shouldn't direct the market to men if you also want women to be watching your sport. Yeah. Maybe, you, maybe your marketing team missed the mark on this one a little bit. Just a bit. Just a bit. But it was cool because, you know, here you've got the, you know, person in charge of an IndyCar team yeah. taking down, like, sexist I find it actually quite funny that somewhere like Watkins Glen kind of came up with that because it's the home of this. So Watkins Glen is the home of the Salem Six Hour, and um, the Salem family actually own a professional women's soccer team in the National Women's Soccer League. And we're not talking like a small team; we're talking the team that like Christine Sinclair and Abby Wambach and Sydney Larue, those people play on. I have played on. So it's kind of funny for them to, to see this kind of sexist take on on promoting it at Watkins Glen, especially when think? they've got such their, their main sponsor is a family business who is really pro women's sport. 
Right. And, you know, that must have played a part in why when there was backlash against this, these tweets and this promotion, um, they took it down and apologized. Yeah. I mean, that's great. Like, yeah. How often do you see that in other sports where you don't see it a lot or an organization immediately takes something down and issues an apology, just yeah. straightforward. We're sorry. We, we screwed this up. Yeah. You know? them up. A yeah. lot of the time, I think you see when when teens come out with something like that, their their response is, "Oh well, you shouldn't be offended. We didn't mean to offend anyone, so you shouldn't be offended." Like I'm going to tell you, it's. I always find this funny when I when I get coworkers because I work in a predominantly I'm the only woman in my department in, where I work on a day to day basis, and a lot of the times when I say that something is sexist, they're like, "Oh well, no, it isn't." And I've turned around before and gone, "I'm sorry." You as a man is telling me as a woman what I can find sexist. And half the time the response is, yeah, actually, you're right. I shouldn't. Like, I yeah, like, exactly. That'll usually be the response. So it's really nice that we've got someone with such a big voice in motorsports actually, you know, yeah. speaking out and being listened to. You know, it's sad yeah. that that's what it takes. But, you know, here we are. And I'm, I'm looking at this as something that's going to hopefully be great. Yeah. So you and I are going to the Indy 500 next year? Hell yeah, we are. So it's like, sign us up. Sign me up. <laughs> we, are, we will be there in our full Grace Motorsport gear with our, well, I don't even know if we're going we're to have to make our own flags because it seems a bit weird bringing an American flag to an American race. I mean, I've done it before. There, but yeah, but the, when everyone yeah. is American. <laughs> oh, man, no, I brought my, my Scott Speed American flag to the Long Beach E-Pre a couple weeks ago. Yep, yeah, yeah. Done. I couldn't think of anything more American though than the Indy 500. Maybe the NASCAR at Talladega, but not much. Seriously, but okay. So back to this. IndyCar lasts for two weeks. The Indy 500, rather. Yeah, I didn't know this. <laughs> I got so confused because I was like, okay, qualifying is wait, qualifying's on a Sunday. And yeah. I was thinking, I was like, why is qualifying on a Sunday? Oh, maybe it's a long weekend in because it's a long weekend in Canada. It just has been. So I was thinking. Maybe it's a long weekend in America. Maybe they do the qualifications on a su- Sunday and the race on Monday. No, the race is next weekend. Mm-hmm. And I feel like anyone who follows Indy knew, knew this, right? You and I are fresh to this. We're used to the Formula One thing where you do, you know, interviews on Thursdays. Friday is P1, P2. Saturday is P3 and Crawley. Sunday is the race. And then you all go home. No, this but is why like we're that. doing this. It's actually like that for every other IndyCar race. It's yeah. just because it's the Indy 500. It goes for two weeks. And so <laughs> I was like fully gung-ho to watch the race, at which point I realized it's not till next Sunday. And I'm going to have to watch Monaco and then it, and then most likely cover an NHL game all in the same breath. Yeah, we, so we've got the Berlin E-Prix, the Indy 500, and Monaco in like the span of 36 hours. Brilliant. I'm pumped. <laughs> How much motor, more motorsport could we want to watch? I mean, there's probably some, Na- oh, I was gonna say there's probably some NASCAR event, but NASCAR is not stupid enough to schedule itself against the Indy 500. No, also uh, let's stick to open wheel racing, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look, I've been trying to watch a little bit of NASCAR because often it's on TV and I like, there's a few up and coming girls who are aiming to race in NASCAR beyond Danica Patrick. So I've been trying to follow them and figure out who they are. And then there's likes of like Sarah Fisher and those kind of women who are, who are starting to build teams and things like that. So Look, if there is a woman in, in one of the series, I do my best to try and at least have a passing understanding and follow it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> people are like... Sarah had a team in IndyCar. I'm, I think they stopped. But you know who drove for them was Joseph Newgarden. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh la la. So, but, yeah, so 
Lindy 500 goes for two weeks. And some stuff has happened. And we're going to go really quick just because whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's been... I think that it, it's been a little bit terrifying because we've watched three massive shunts this week, like car flipping, massive shunts, and then there's been a couple of others as well. And we're talking James Hinchcliffe is in hospital and we heard the words touch and go used to describe his accident. And those are things we never, ever want to hear in any form of racing. Right. We also heard the word impaled, which yeah. is vaguely terrifying. Like, what the hell? Apparently, uh, one of the wishbones of his car went through one of his legs and partially into the other one. What the hell? Yeah, look, I... And I said this to you. I was like, this is actually terrifying because Mm -hmm. we're seeing... Look, while... Being a Formula One fan... We'd gotten a little bit complacent, yeah? Last oh, year, well, when we yeah. had the Jules Bianchi, Jules, Jules Bianchi accident last year, it shook everyone up because we hadn't had anything like that for, for quite a while. I mean, previously, probably the one before that was Felipe Massa, and that was one of those freak, a spring came loose and hit him. And even if you looked at Jules Bianchi's accident, it was a massive set of, of really insane circumstances. Yeah, this wasn't. This is three cars that have clipped a wall and gone somersaults. That shouldn't be happening. Clipping a wall is what happens in races. You know, the moment they clip, they shouldn't have been becoming, like, it it was terrifying. And obviously there's been a lot of talk about the reasons behind and these new aero kits and the changes they've had to make. But when, when, when you can actually say we're lucky that no one died this week, like, that's a terrifying thing to say. Right, exactly. And, and so there, be, was, there was his accident, there was Simona's car lit on fire, which was kind yeah. of... Which seems to be a sad trend for Simona, because I think this has happened to her once before, too. Yeah, a few times. It's not It's not the first or the second time. Yeah. This, luckily, this time, she didn't actually... I know in one of the previous incidences, there was some big errors made by the recovery team, and they couldn't get her out of the car, and she actually sustained some burns. So this time, she's come out, got free. Um, Pippa Man had a accident which was more kind of just clipping another car one that you would actually expect but like um helio um helio castronuevas yeah his car just went flying that yeah. was crazy that was crazy i mean james hinchcliffe has been crazy like i actually, this. i don't was, know if i like this yeah this that's the thing we disturbing we hadn't seen any accidents like this for this season for the most part you know there's obviously a few here and there but we you know, it's this was pretty. Uh, it actually took me back to that first Formula E race when, right at the end, we had that. Um, yeah, we yeah, with that, Nick Heidfeld's car going. Nick Heidfeld's car went airborne and hit a catch fence, thankfully. And that, and I remember just thinking, watching that because I was watching that in, in person. Oh my god, we're waiting to see someone get out of the car so we know they're not whether they're not dead. Well, it was the same thing with uh, two weeks ago in Monaco. The Formula yeah. E race in Monaco, and Bruno Senna's car went airborne for about a couple seconds. Like that yeah. was, ugh, that was no good. Yeah, that was like a ten-car pileup too. And you know, the fact that no one got hurt mm-hmm. there, where it's Formula E and all these yeah. cars are new, and the safety regulations are there, but you never I, know. Um, maybe it being the first season, the regulations might not be met exactly. Um, it was good to see. Obviously, no one got hurt. Yeah, I um, obviously. As someone who's worked in the sporting business, my brain goes towards like the repercussions of things like this. And the, one of my first thoughts once that I heard that James Hinchcliffe was okay 
was, oh, no, the Canadian Grand Prix, the, not the Canadian Grand Prix, sorry, the Toronto Indy has built its entire marketing campaign essentially around come and watch James Hinchcliffe. The come and watch the one Canadian IndyCar driver do things. The one Canadian <laughs> IndyCar driver who's from a suburb where you can see downtown Toronto from. Oh, he's, he's, from, from he's from Oakville. Oh, I've been there. Yeah, <laughs> That's so Oakville, home to James Hinchcliffe and a large population of reasonably good hockey players. Right. Um, and so the Toronto Indies kind of branding and promotional stuff here in Toronto, at least, is based around James Hinchcliffe, who is obviously not going to be racing it. We won't see this year, most likely. Hopefully we see him back full stop. Yeah, but they're like, yeah. the rest of the season. Um and they don't know about next year, but yeah, that sucks. And I, we hope obviously that he makes a full recovery. Yeah. Um, because Our yeah. Thoughts are with him, and I'm sure anyone who's listening to this podcast, whether you're an indie fan or not, your thoughts are with them because no one of any sport, of any sport, any likes to see any athlete or, or driver injured in anything, let alone in in the sports that we do love. Yeah, that's fucked up. Anyways. Yeah. It's yeah. let's talk about Spain. Yeah, I mean, it was like a week ago, so I guess we can do this quickly, right? Mostly well, because I mean, Spain, uh, we want to talk about the baby. We do, we do hold ourselves out as a Formula One podcast. No, but then, <laughs> so we, we really <laughs> should watch the race, and we've hashed it out already for the last. Yeah, week, so. and and I mean, you and I obviously we live in different cities. We have very busy lives. I work nights. And it's the playoffs at the moment, so life's a little bit insane. So trying to find time where we can cross paths to produce this podcast is difficult. So even if we are a week and a bit late, we we have made a podcast. It is here for you guys. Bear with this. We're going to talk about Spain. And we're going to start with the world's awkwardest press conference. Oh, man. It was so great, though. <laughs> I Look, I had no intention of watching it. I don't do well with awkward situations. Like, they actually make me physically uncomfortable. Well, I can't even awkward. watch them, right? And so one of my girlfriends was trying to make me watch this thing. She's a big Nico Rosberg fan. She's like, you've got to watch it. You've got to watch his face. And it was just like, I don't know what was funnier. Um, Fernando Alonso's men in black impersonation because he wore his sunglasses at all times. You know why though, right? Oh yes, he had a he had a, a sty. I was told an eye infection. Yeah, so it was a bit like I understood why he was doing it, but it was also hysterical because he's literally sitting in the front row, arms crossed, glasses on, and you're like, this guy is like, I'm the king of Spain. Screw you all. I can do whatever. Also, just can't catch a break this year. That ah, oh. yeah, yeah. Look, if 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 McLaren had any luck, it'd be bad luck. <laughs> but it was great the, the front row of the press conference was all spain and it was basically like king fernando and the two boys who just look at him with hearts in their eyes like carlos sainz is talking about he came here for the first time and he met his idol fernando and fernando is just like yeah that's right i'm this kid's idol yeah, yeah. And then Roberto Mary on the other side is just like, oh, my God, I'm in a press conference. It's so exciting. They invited me. Oh my I drive an F1 now. This is amazing. How Roberto did Mary is just like, life is great. Oh, my God. I have had the same haircut since the 80s. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, and um, look, my favorite part of that press conference, besides the, the, the baby Spaniards literally looked like the heart eyes emoji <laughs> they were like, ah. Oh. But my personal favorite part was when they asked them to describe themselves in three words, and all of them were just <laughs> like, nup, nup. Like, I think what, like, Carlos Sainz made a good point about getting them to do it because, um, obviously, 
they didn't feel comfortable describing themselves, but everyone else was just like, no. Mm -mm. Don't want to do this. Yeah. I don't want to be a part of this. The one other thing I did admire from that press conference is just how Russian Daniel Fiat is. Like, I don't think his facial expression changed for the entire thing. He's sitting there and you, you were like, I'm not sure if he's listening. I'm not sure if he's bored. I'm not sure if he's actually asleep with his eyes open. Like, what's going on? Yeah. What's going on up here? Like, it was just a wonderful example of, of stereotypical ru Russian face. <laughs> And we you know, know a lot of Russian hockey Russian players. Face. We've seen a lot of it. No, but I'm just saying, Alex Ovechkin does not have Russian face. No, Alex Ovechkin does not have he's Russian face. He looks Russian, but then the facial expressions happen, and it's crazy. No, yeah, he's he's got a he's very. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. So we had this, we had the hilarious press conference, which if you haven't watched, it's probably good to go back because it's, <laughs> I think the problem with these press conferences, and I don't know if we've discussed this before, is the fact that you've got a bunch of people asking questions in English when English isn't their first language. Yeah, and but so you the know, questions come out work all the time. So for the most part. Yeah, but some of them. It's not an excuse. No, no. I think the thing is some of them just missed that one word that would make it less slightly awkward. Yeah, but that would now that and you're just like <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's an excuse because it's brilliant for our entertainment. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, the press conference was good. Qualification was good. Qualifying rather. Uh Nico Rosberg won. That is literally all I remember from qualifying. That was it. I was, was like, it. oh, Nico Rosberg won and the Toro Rosso's qualified really, really well. Yeah. Yeah, they were on the third row, I believe. I think so, something like that. They were look, they were up there. They were they were doing well. And then the race happened. Yeah. Um, so the Mercedes started with the Ferraris, and that was basically the whole race. They didn't show much other than those four cars, really three yeah. cars, because Rosberg was out in front the whole time. Yeah. To be honest. battling the Ferraris. And while that's honest, cool and everything, uh, there's other stuff going on here, guys. I, I woke up to watch the race, right? And I'm staying at one of my girlfriends, and I was like, she's like, let's watch the race in bed because we don't want to get out of bed, right? So I get my laptop out, put it open. Do you know why I don't watch things in bed? Because I go the fuck to sleep. <laughs> like, one of my drugs practically knocks you out. And so when I wake up in the morning, I'm like a drunk person. I've got to, like, uh. And so I woke up, set the computer up, and literally went straight back to sleep. I remember the original viewing of the race. I remember three things. I remember the race starting and thinking all the cars have gone and then the Marushas come into the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. I remember seeing Nico Hulkenberg miss a corner because my my one of my friend is like ah, Hulk, and I've like jumped up thinking he's just like written a car off, and it turns out he just missed a chicane, and I was like oh. And then I just remember seeing Pastor Maldonado retiring and thinking your race suit isn't normally that color. Those are the three things I remember <laughs> from the race: the start, yeah, um, Hulkenberg, and Pastor Maldonado wearing gold. I spent most of the race just yelling about Rosberg. Yeah, I, I, I think I may have text messaged you at one point and got a message back that just was basically Nico in like a keyboard smash. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Um, one of the things that I forgot to mention about this race that I really liked was um, the Lotus cars ran the Mad Max livery. Yeah. And did you see the promotional cars yes. they brought up the race yep. too? Oh yep. my God. And you know what? Having seen Mad Max now, I like got really angry that the F1 car isn't in the movie. Spoiler alert, the F1 car isn't in the movie. <laughs> I don't think you could race an F1 car through the Australian desert. 
Dude, you could though. That car, it had like tires with spikes on it. There's no way you could I think not. It's probably a little bit too low to the ground though for sand dunes and things. Maybe. I mean, some of those vehicles they used in the movie were pretty. I love that we were literally we're literally discussing the the the, the logistics of racing a Formula One car in Mad Max. Well, listen, maybe like Mad Max, big there, big <laughs> up there on realism. Yeah, you're right. It was I, so good though. Anyway, I got a message from my brother though that was like. Oh my god, there's a Mad Max car and it's Pastor Melnado's. And I was like, I know, the joke writes itself. Everyone has. It's so perfect. It's so perfect. I like, I can't even. He wouldn't even need to use the weapons. He would just, you know. He is is the weapon. He is the weapon. Let's be real. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go off on Mad Max tangents off this podcast. Come find me if you want to talk about that movie because I am all over it. I am, um, look, I gotta admit, I almost felt bad for Pastor Maldonado because he was doing so well, right? He was doing well, he was driving well, and, and the drivers were literally like, oh, um, Pastor is doing really well. He could, like, get himself some yeah. points. And then they're like, oh, but we've said that before. And then he's become Pastor and it hasn't worked. And then I mean, he's like, next minute you look at and you drive by and you realize that half his rear wing is gone. I was like, what and... is going on back here? This, oh, this doesn't look good. Oh, you fucked up. Uh, you fucked and up. we're done. And that's it. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah. It was really funny. It looked like his, his rear wing was just, like, hanging from the middle part. And yeah. it looked like an old, like, late 70s with those giant wings yeah. that were, like, way high up. And, yep. Like, what have you done to this car, buddy? Come on. I mean, I know you can pay for it, but that's not Still, the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you can pay for it. Oh, yeah. pasta. Poor guy. So, yeah, Nico won. It was Nico good. Won. Yes, yeah. I think that was one of the few things I remember, because I remember being like, okay, the race is over, Nico's won. I was meant to be at work 25 minutes ago. Better go. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. So, and, you know, obviously, not to harp too much on the winner, but he did win the race. Um, <laughs> and it was his first win of the year, so. Yeah. But it's also his first pole position of the year. Yeah. So, and I think there's possibly a link there. Yeah, and there is. It's not even a thought. I mean, he's been talking about this for a few weeks, that his qualifying act hasn't been as good as it was last year, and that's yeah. one of the things he needs to put together. So, yeah. it'll be interesting to see... This week in Monaco. Monaco is a circuit that that favors him. He's he yeah. won it last year and the year before and the year before. I was thinking that he's won it the last two times in a row. It's it, it's it's been like Mark Webber in that sense that you know that Monaco circuit suits some drivers to a T. You know, like their driving style, that kind of thing. They love that kind of circuit. It, it's the like it fits them. So side note here, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, we have this friend, Steve Dangle, who does his yes. own podcast about the Maple Leafs. Yes. Great. If you like hockey, go listen to it if you don't already. Um, I have been listening to his show for the last couple months, and I realized that a certain way into every episode, he mentions the Boston Bruins. And it's starting to come to my attention that you do that with Mark Webber. Like, even he's not even yeah. an F1 anymore. Well, I think it's also the thing that he's one of the drivers that I know the most about, and I yeah. know their their history, and I know that yeah. Monaco does suit him. Yeah, yeah. But someone's hey, going to start talking about how hard it takes every episode for you to mention Mark Webber, and it's going to be great. And I can't wait for someone to do it. 
<laughs> now I'm going to make a giant note that says, I'm going to put a note on my screen here that says, you will not talk about Mark Webber. <laughs> I bet you can't get through a whole podcast without doing it. I bet you I can. All right, let's see next It week. just won't be this podcast. <laughs> wait, wait a can. second, wait a second. Here's the thing why next week is unfair, because he will be at next week's race. Like, he will legitimately be at that race. Yeah, but he's not racing, so it's fine. So... If he ends up doing podium interviews and you tell me I can't talk, if if he ends up doing podium interviews or appearing on the Sky broadcast, it's fair game. If okay. you don't see him at all, then fair enough. Right, right. So speaking of Monaco, are we moving on to that yet? I mean, yeah, let's talk about Monaco. Let's really talk about all Monaco. we've got left to talk about in Spain is like, yay, the Toro Rosso's qualified well and then fucked up you know, uh, look i i felt bad for the toro rossos because they had qualified so well and then and they and they have they were quite good i think it was they were quite good on the corners but the moment they got into a straight stretch of road they were just like well yeah i mean that's over. Over. <laughs> the renault engines are really they're okay in qualifying then once you have to do the whole race yeah and right. they seemed even look toro rosso seemed even more they seemed significantly worse in the race this weekend than they last weekend than they had in previous races because they'd always been qualifying in kind of that early teens late kind of p3 kind of section and then they did really well i think it was like five and eight or something like that this weekend and then they got to the actual race and i was thinking these guys could get some points you know these could these guys could really do well this weekend and no not so much that being said Carlos Sainz was still the highest finishing Spaniard in the race. Oh my God. It was not a good weekend, but man, that moment might. It takes a lot of balls to be a front Jackman, doesn't it? Oh my God. A lot of guts to be a How can we Jackman. not talk about this? How did we forget? We don't even have this in our notes. Oh my God. Front Jackman at Lotus for men of the race. Like, seriously. I loved, the, I loved the moment when they come back to him and he's sitting there. Sitting there with, with like an ice pack. With an ice pack on his, on, on his abdomen <laughs> and lower bits. And then he realizes he's on the screen. And it's just like. <laughs> and everyone around him was like. Well, it wasn't just them, too. McLaren had some issues. Well, um, Fernando Alonso's brakes had, were going and then died just before he got to the box. And that front jackman just jumped out of the way. And yeah, you, see yeah, the, yeah. you see the jack literally go, ch -ch. Yeah. And you, I, so his, his brakes failed, too, because his visor tear-off got yeah. stuck in the... Like, how do you... You have really terrible luck, buddy. So and this I has happened. I think that happened previously this this year. Maybe a visor tear I've got stuck in something on someone else. But I remember. I remember. A, I remember someone telling a story once about the, their relationship with their front jackman and being like, "Yeah, I've hit him like six times. I like fractured his shin once. Oh, God. Like all of this kind of stuff." And and he was like, "We've got a really great relationship, except for when I nearly run him over." <laughs> Which like fair. I, I wouldn't want to like. be. I wouldn't want to be a front jackman. Yeah. But, um, to stand there and have a Formula One car come at come you, at you, at particularly at, like what was it, Roman Grosjean, who yes. overshot his marks by like, like you see, they have the markers that tell you whether they're ten centimeters or twenty or thirty. Roman Grosjean, you couldn't even see the markers. His car was like a meter down the track. That's where it was supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone's had to pick up and run. So thank goodness everyone was okay. Yeah, uh, everyone survived. Yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen again. That was pretty bad. Um, it, it was yeah. kind of funny though watching the guy, and he gets nailed up, and everyone else is trying to help him jack the car up, and you're just like, yeah. well, uh, the fact that he still pretty much did it on his own was kind of amazing. Yeah. Like, 
props to that yeah, guy. Impressive. Uh, so that was pretty much it from Spain. Um, that, that was Spain. We've got Monaco coming up this weekend. Huh. Um, the only other thing to come out of last week, which I guess... Testing in Barcelona? Testing in Barcelona. Red Bull continuing their hissy fit about the Renault engines. And uh, I think it was Helmut Marco that came out and said, oh, you know, we're not going to keep doing F1 unless Audi comes and helps us out, which is kind of... Okay. Here's the thing. I think everyone takes anything Helmut Marco says with a little bit of salt. They're like, oh, okay. A massive yep. boulder of salt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there, there's a little bit of, um, okay. Okay, old man, you keep saying what you're saying, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, um, it, w- it will be interesting to see if Audi comes back. I mean, they've been doing so well in the endurance championship, so. Yeah, there's, that being said, there is a, ma- it's a massive outlay to join Formula One. Yeah. as a constructor especially <laughs> like um, and and it's it's not like they could turn out and be like oh we're joining next year it would be like okay we'll be here for 2020 yeah, yeah. Like, it's not a it's not a one-year project to get yourself in yeah i mean when did when did honda figure out that they were going to come back like, i think honda announced maybe two years yeah. ago yeah so well, yeah. yeah i mean but we had a we had testing in barcelona we saw a lot of the young drivers in um if I'm, if I, I think the most pissed off person in Formula One right now would have to be Kevin Magnussen, because he didn't even get to drive the McLaren at testing. No. They bought in like Jensen Button drove for one day, and then they bought in um I think it's Oliver Turvey, who is like their 28 year old like sim test driver as well. And I'm like, if I'm Kevin Magnussen, I'm watching Stoffel Van Dorn win another race. I think. Yeah, I am like I'm watching them tell me, oh, you're not competing in in this, and I'm like, there's a gift someone has made of like Kevin Magnuson with his backpack and his like roller suitcase, walking towards someone, saying something, turning around, and like half sulking out of the Spanish Grand Prix paddock. Like it's just like the race is done. He's like, bye, bitches. I'm going back to Denmark. <laughs> but he wasn't because but- I then saw him in I saw him in somewhere in Berkshire at the opening of a McLaren automotive. And then he was in the US with his dad at the NASCAR. I was just going to say, he was taking selfies with his dad. And uh, yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> Still, I, like, if I'm him, I'm just like, what are you doing to me, McLaren? Like, what have I done to you for you to make, what have I done for you to treat me like this? I know, poor guy. I always find it kind of funny though when you when you look at what the drivers that are coming in to do tests and the obscure places that they come in from and things yeah. like that. I and mean, the collection of drivers that must sit there in GP two and just be like, "I have no money." Yeah. Well, someone yeah. love me. I've got no money. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have heard that Magnuson might make the jump to IndyCar next year. So, hey, more reasons to go to IndyCar. Well, look, there's the thing. I, I, I've heard that as well because the reality is Alonso and Button have got another year after this. So they're through to the end of 2016, pending one of them getting sick of being shit and leaving. Um, but if if you're thinking, if you're Kevin Magnuson, you are thinking, okay, my eye is on the 2017 ride. Well... I'm not going to race GP2 because Stoffel's racing GP2, though if he wins it this year, he won't be able to race it next year. Um, I need to race. I need to be actually competitively racing if I want a chance of that seat back. And IndyCar is probably the best thing. No no casting aspersions on Formula E 
But if you want a Formula One seat, I don't think Formula E is the place to no. go to go back to it. No, I think Formula E at this point is too early in its developmental yeah. stage to be a place that F1 drivers want to seriously go to develop, or future yeah. F1 drivers. I mean, Johnny Verne has talked about coming back next season, which, and I'll go into this after this, yeah. but... I mean, he's already driven an F1, so it's not like he's... Yeah, it's a little bit different, I think, in that sense, yeah. Um, the thing with that is that his name has been connected to the American F1 team. Oh! Let's me quite a bit. Um, <laughs> you like, so it's Alex Rossi and... Alex Rossi and John Eric Byrne. Let's talk about Haas F1 here. Are we, are, are we basically making the assumption that Alex Rossi gets one of those seats? No, not at all. I am okay. personally making the assumption that it should happen. Okay, are we as a podcast hoping that Alex Rossi gets one of those seats? 112%. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I feel the fact, look, I feel the fact that Haas have said Danica Patrick isn't out of the question. Yeah, I like that. I like that, but I think when they start talking about putting Danica Patrick in one of those seats, that you realise that their, their strategy is definitely to have one American driver. Yeah. And no, whether that be Danica Patrick or Alex Patrick. Rossi is that GoDaddy, which is her major sponsor, yeah. already announced that they're not going to do NASCAR next year. Yeah. So she's lost her main sponsor at NASCAR. Look, I reckon if Danica Patrick wants to race NASCAR next year, she probably won't have that much of a hard time finding a sponsor. No. But that's I the thing. Maybe they want to sponsor an F1 car. Maybe she, may, they've already made the jump to F1 and she's just coming along with them. And it's yeah. going to be the GoDaddy Haas F1 team, which I hate, but I will accept. Yes. Well, I don't think you're going to see... Um, I don't know. I'm trying to imagine them, them co-branding Haas F1 with another team. I hope not. Like, it'll, it would probably be like Williams Martini Racing. Like, yeah. it'd be Haas GoDaddy Racing. <laughs> I don't want that. I don't want that to be a thing. <laughs> well, look, the, the thing actually is GoDaddy makes sense in a Formula 1 sponsorship sense because it's a global business. GoDaddy is, is, is global. You look at Martini, yeah, it's... It's global. Yeah, they sell they sell their products all over the world. Like yeah, you know, and you, you look at you look at those teams that kinda of come in, you've got to think you gotta have a lot of money and you gotta have a name that people like recognize globally. Red Bull. Red yeah. Bull, Red right Bull you know, all of those kind of things. So yeah. Interesting. So I, they I think they let they said we'd know by like what September? September. Yeah, September. yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay. So we'll know by the U.S. Grand Prix, which just of course, of course. My heart. they'll they'll announce it before the U.S. Grand Prix and then bring them along to the U.S. Grand Prix to meet. Oh my the god! Public. Can you imagine? Oh. Oh, can you imagine? I'm gonna have to sedate you. You yeah. I'm have to that's put you on a leash. Grand Prix podcast. So me exploding fireworks of red, white, and blue all over. Well, look, I'm thinking I'm I'm probably coming down for the race. So oh, good. it's gonna be me putting a leash on you so you can try and climb <laughs> something. She'll be like, America, calm down, girl. I can't. I can't, though. Everything is great. Everything so, is wonderful. I just, can it be 2016 now? Look, everything is awesome when you're part of a team. IndyCar in 2016 in Boston. The American F1 team. Like, just Formula E having engines that they can modify instead of just using the flat Renault ones. Like, everything is going to be Grace great. Mo Grace, Grace Motorsports. Grace Autosport. Like, just give me this. Give me all the things. So let's segue on from all of the America and talk about what the F1 strategy... So the F1 strategy oh, group got together to figure out how they can fix Formula 1. What they came up with was a bunch of rule changes that will not fix Formula 1 because... <laughs> 
Yeah. Listen, what Formula One needs to do is make races cheaper and engage better with the fans, not fucking bring back refueling and Formula One needs to make the cars as fast as they previously were. They need to market themselves better to the general fan base and they need to make it actually affordable for families to attend races. Right, that's not hard. None of those things are difficult to come up with. And yet Bernie Ecclestone comes so out here and, we've come down up- and says, we need refueling again. Yeah, see, here's the thing. If we're going to refueling, does that mean we um, are getting rid of the 100 kilo fuel allowance? Or are we just going to give them 50 know. kilos at a time? The justification <laughs> behind it is that... The car will be lighter? No. They want pit stops to be longer so that strategy gets screwed up. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, then. He- it's it's um they're punishing people for getting good at things basically yeah yeah pretty much but it's yeah look i don't know refueling i feel like people only like refueling because i feel the people who like refueling are the people who also like bonfires and buildings burning down shiny things and you know i'm a big fan of shiny things but i don't think we need refueling i think it's especially where you know f1 wants to market itself as being at the forefront of technology well, going back to guzzling as much fuel as possible is not the way to do yeah. that. And you want to, you know who we should ask? Let's ask Joss Verstappen how he feels about refueling. Yeah, right? Seriously. Yeah. Hey, Max, what is your dad's opinion on refueling? Oh, that it hurts to be sitting in a car while it's entirely on fire? Yeah, thought so. Yeah, for real. Jeez. So that's and, dumb. And they want to make the cars 30 to 50 kilos lighter and they say that this won't make drivers this will not affect drivers but somewhere nico hulkenberg is hearing this and crying in a corner because he hasn't eaten for a year somewhere nico hulkenberg is signing his contract to go drive at WEC for the whole year because he's like he's like he's at a motherfuckers he's not getting into any you know better positioning here um he's maybe when i talk about nico hulkenberg's career it just makes me so sad i hate it i hate everything about it and i love him to pieces and i just it sucks because he's a good driver and he's going to be like i was about to say i was like how can i make this analogy without referencing mark Webber? but it's gonna be like it's gonna be like the first six years of his career and then it just stops he never gets to that part where he ends up at red bull and they're not terrible (laughs) it's just like Middle, mediocre, potential, potential. It's like I remember watching a race from like 2005 maybe and like they thought he was going to win the race and then he doesn't and they're like, oh, he deserves to win one. And they're like, yeah, he does. Four and a half years from now. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Like, you're watching it and you're like, it takes you like another four years to win a race. <laughs> like, like I have no idea how you managed to keep your seat for this long. Yeah. But that's what I feel about Nico. It's like, you're really good, but it's just sometimes shit doesn't work out. Yeah. I mean, that's, it is what it is. And, you know, he's talked really highly of his experience in endurance racing. I think he was just happy to be in a car that wasn't shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's not rapidly going backwards. But we we just talked about what the, we talked about what the F1 strategy group suggests for improving the sport. Now, the Grand Prix Drivers Drivers Association have decided that they want to better understand what fans want and try and figure out ways that they can improve the experience for Formula One fans. Guys, guys, it's called social media. Yeah, no kidding. But really easy. Formula E is so good at it. Come on. Call me. I do it for a living. Okay. Um, (laughs) GPDA have decided to run a a survey of fans at a race to see what they, they want. But they've chosen 
Monica. Okay, here's the thing though. I think it's gonna be an online survey and wow. if they're promoting it around Monaco, an online survey around the most popular race of the year is actually a really good call. Yeah, if they're promoting it through kind of, I guess, online rather than in person, <laughs> I just had this sudden, with how they were saying it, I just had this sudden image of someone with a clipboard walking around no, Monaco. No, no. And I was I just like, Monaco fans, aren't, Monaco fans are there because they can afford most of the, yeah. not all of them, but a large portion of the fan base are there is because they have lots of money. Right. And I feel like these guys understand that. Like, yeah, you want to hope so. They live in Monaco, half. They live in Monaco, and they experience the fans at all the different races. Yeah. I can't imagine they would pick Monaco as one to just go out and clipboard survey fans. Because like, it is the possibly worst place you could do it. Especially because on the flip side, doing it online during Monaco is a great idea because everyone's paying attention, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah, Monaco's this week. It's a good time. Yeah. Um, Who do we think's going to win? Who do we think's gonna win? Or whoever, we... whoever, whoever qualifies first. Which Mercedes driver is gonna win this weekend? Which Mercedes um, driver? True. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I'm hoping it's Rosberg. It's supposed to rain this weekend. Mm. I, I I like a wet race. Um, a wet race around Monaco is kind of a scary idea though, because Monaco is uh, intense. Although you know what? To be fair, it's less of a scary idea than at some of the other tracks because true, they have true. to actually they can't get the cars off the circuit yeah. unless. You know, they're, the other cars are going really slow because the streets are so narrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot more. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to it. I love Monaco. It's probably my favorite race yeah. of the year. It's a boring-ass race, but, like, it's pretty. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love that. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, what is the most typically exciting race of the year? And I just couldn't think of one. I think maybe Spa. Yeah. Spa's pretty good. I like That's Spa. Monaco is Canada's probably my favorite to yeah, you are right, you're right. Canada's pretty great. But um I mean, I'm really looking of, forward to it. Think of twenty eleven when uh oh. Vettel spun out at the I think I might have to go watch that race again. Oh I need it's about time. It's, yeah. it's we should really we should really make it one of our one of our chosen races if we if we do like a throwback podcast. Yeah. We're gonna talk about the two thousand eleven Grand Prix like it just happened. We can do that um in the or maybe in the summer break. Yeah, maybe the summer break. Wait, wait. Oh, wait, no. uh, yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. I'm in Europe for the entirety of the summer break. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe the winter break then. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll need something to keep us going between yeah. between the seasons because we got really bored last year. That's true. And we weren't even what producing a podcast. Summer break. Well, like, how long are you gone for? Can we do like a mid-summer podcast where we just talk about all the dumb adventures we've gone on? Of course. Yeah. I'm. Awesome. Look, I'm. I leave for Europe on the. July 2nd, I'm going to Dublin. You'll be at Silverstone by that point. Oh, well. Um, I was thinking of coming over for Silverstone, but then I was kind of like... Uh, it's expensive and there's going to be a million people there and it's going to suck. Exactly, but, right? So um, I'm going to go to... So I'm coming back, like, first week of September, and so I'm kind of finishing a lot of my trip. Um, I'm going to go to Spa. I debated going over to Hungary for the Hungarian Grand Prix, but I was kind of like, you know what? I'll do Spa. Spa can be my first race. It'll be the end of my trip. Yada, yada, yada. I just got to find someone who is camping. So if you know anyone who is camping at Spa and wants some company in the form of me, yeah. <laughs> wow, that sounded way, way more... more exciting than it actually is. Just kidding. Yeah. yeah, I was like, whoa, that sounded really suspect. But anyway, if you, if you know anyone who needs a camping buddy... um. You can find me at, on Twitter at Sasky Stewart because I need a camping buddy for spa. Yeah. But, yeah, so I'm going to be hitting up um, – I know you're doing the Austrian Grand Prix 
the testing and then Silverstone as well as a e-pre-race. Yep, the two e-pre-races in London. Two e-pre-races so. in London. Yeah, that's going to be crazy too because I didn't realize there's GP3 and GP2 at uh, Austria. Yep, same well as Spa. GP2, I think there's also GP3 in Silverstone. Maybe not. There might just be GP2. So um, can, you kidnap, can you kidnap Mitch Evans for me? No. no <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> um, I'll be at seven races. Yeah. Of two and a half weeks. And, and, and I'm also GP2, going to Canada. Yeah, GP2 and GP3 actually have two races each. Oh, my God. So, like, nine races. What yeah, is so that? GP2 and GP3 have a feature race and then a sprint race. Yeah, so, yeah, feature yeah, is... Yeah. I watched, yeah. The, um, I watched it the other weekend. Yeah, I, I watch a lot of GP2. I like it. And GP3. It's not bad. It's not the bad. GP2 is always... The GP2, I think, is after the qualifying, normally on the Saturday, and then it's before the race on the Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I gotta get up at like. Yeah, they don't have any of that stuff in Canada. They have like Formula fifteen hundred or something like that. Oh, it's, it's, okay. it's interesting. Formula sixteen hundred. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, the cars look really cool. It's kind of neat to watch. It sounds great. I think the engines are still V eight, so it's you know the loudest race of the weekend is the yeah. <laughs> race well, two hours was, before the real race. But yeah, I was thinking if it was the Formula sixteen hundred, it was won by a. A Norwegian girl last year who's oh. now um, covering, not covering, I think she's in the Road to Indy kind of series. So, like, oh. feeder series to go into Indie Lights. Um, so, that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, so that's neat. You sound like you're going to have a really good time. I uh, do too. Formula, Formula 16. We're have to figure out a time when you're parked somewhere in Europe and we can yeah. catch up on all the. We'll dumb figure that out. I'm hitting up. Yeah. Um, I'm going to Dublin first. I'm going to Scotland to visit all of the Stuart relatives that I've never met. <laughs> um, and then I'm going down to London for a while. I'm going to jump across to Spain, and then I'm going to do like Spain, Italy, Austria, Switzerland, the Czech Republic, Slovakia, Croatia. Um, the Netherlands, Belgium, so like Denmark, a proper Euro trip. Denmark, Sweden, home. Yeah, home via Iceland. That is solid. Yeah, that's all. So Formula sixteen hundred is what's racing at um, uh, the Canadian Grand Prix. Montreal. I don't think it has any fem- Yeah, I don't think it has any female races this year. But um, it it was one. It's it's defending champion is a girl named Ayla Agren, who is a Norwegian driver who oh, is based out of the US now. She's on our Grid Girls uh, Female Driver's Guide, which we're working on at the moment, yep. which you can find on our website. It's snazzy. Don't look at it yet. It doesn't look great. No, it doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> exactly. look great. We've got to put some love into it. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, the columns have gone a bit funky, and, yeah, I need to put some pictures and things into it. Cool, cool. Yeah, we'll work on that this week. It'll but, be pretty soon. Yeah, that's that. what, yeah. We're working on a formula, uh, not a formula, a uh, female driver's guide, and that covers everything from um, – Rally cross, uh, stock car racing, uh, truck racing, so all the kind of like NASCAR series, covers yeah. all the open wheel series. So we've got everything from F1 right down to like Formula 4, like ADAC and those kind of categories. Um, and what then- we're also going to try to start doing is uh, every Monday or Tuesday do a weekly update on all the women drivers yep. that are and like how they've done that weekend yeah so you're going to get in some of our podcasts a brief roundup of uh kind of our little good girls roundup which is a bit of a you know highs and lows of the week for female drivers but you'll be getting a weekly or bi-weekly uh, report on the website about what they're all up to 
Um, why don't you do if that? Female drivers, if female drivers don't interest you, that's not our problem. But uh, someone's going to give them else. some love, and that's going to be us. Um, if you don't like female drivers, you've probably already given up on our podcast by now, anyway. So yeah, dude, this is the door hit you on the way out. We are rolling right along with this thing. This is going great. So good girls report for this week. Um, Starting with the Indy car, we had the qualifications for the Indy 500. We have Simona Di Silvestro starting in P19, and we have Pippermann in P28. Um, there is a rumor, as we discussed earlier, with the loss of James Hinchcliffe for the race. We're going to see Catherine Legg uh, taking his spot. Um, Legg is also being announced as the driver for the Grace Motorsport team for 2016, which we're. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to. Um, in GP3 this weekend, uh, Sam and Gomez uh, competed. Um, I can't remember exactly where they were. Uh, so this was not this weekend. So this was the GP3 in Barcelona. Yep. So uh, qualified 24 out of 24, unfortunately, being last place. Uh, race 1 finished 20 out of 24 and race 2 finished 19 out of 24. Uh, Formula, yep. Yeah. Formula Renault 3.5 with the Motorland Aragon. And so we have Bietzky Visser racing in this. Uh, qualified um, at 11th and finished at 19th in the race. So unfortunately lost a few places there. But a good qualifying start there. It's quite a solid uh, Formula Renault 3.5. It's got a quite large field. So good to see that there. Um, and we're going to wrap it up with Formula 3. We have Tatiana Calderon. Um, and so these guys were racing in... I kind of really forgot to remember where they were racing. They were in, pa- they were in Pal this weekend. Pal? Oh, yeah, it's the, the Grand Prix of Pal. Grand Prix of Pal. Uh, three races. First race, she finished 17th out of 32. Second race, 19th out of 32. And unfortunately, race three, she got a DNS. So she didn't start the third race. But, you know, consistently good performances in the first two races there. Yeah, it's not bad. Midfield. So that's our little wrap-up. Um, they'll probably be a bit longer uh, in the future when I've actually managed to get everyone in and figure out where everyone is. It's a bit all over the place at the moment. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, this is a work in progress. We've got it. Yeah. So. Well, I think that about wraps us up for this week. Yeah. Um, hopefully we'll get back to you a little bit sooner next week. But we've both got, oh, my God, hectic weekends with work and family and all those things. It is a long weekend in America, though. So you, can, have, oh, you yeah. can spend Monday watching car races. You having your long weekend last week. Oh, I didn't have a long weekend. I worked all weekend. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. People are like, That's it's a long awesome. weekend. And I was like, really? Because I'm pretty sure I just did like 21 hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like a you problem, Sasuke. <laughs> uh, it sounds like a playoff problem. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But yeah, no, we'll try to get this done earlier next but, week, especially yeah. where we've got to start getting ready for Canada. Really, I I've got to start getting ready for Canada. I have no idea what I'm bringing or anything. So yeah, yeah I have, I've got to start getting ready for, I think I've got to go to Buffalo or somewhere for the, I've got to go to a player combine and I got to go to the cup finals and then I potentially have to go to Vegas. Oh, I don't know. I'd be like, oh, my God, my life is so hard. I've got to go to Vegas. For you. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea, though. No one can tell me anything. So I've got, like, 26 places I want to be and no idea. And the Women's World Cup starts in, like, oh, yeah, true. two weeks. And really I'm well, getting old in a week and a bit. So, yeah. 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 But we'll, we'll do our best. We'll, we'll do, do our, our best. best. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I guess for another week or another round, uh, I'm Saskia Stewart. And I'm Sarah Connors. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. I'm Sarah Connors, and she's Sassy Stewart. Easy enough. And I guess we'll see you at the next race. Hell yeah.